You have probably noticed, if you have paid attention at all to what is going on around us, that we live in a very divided culture. We live in a very divided world. We live in a time of great polarization in our world. On the national level, I mean, we can't even elect a Speaker of the House right now. International level, what's happening in the Middle East is tragic and shows the ethnic and political and other kinds of divisions that abound in our world. And at a time like this, the church of Jesus Christ ought to be united. We ought to be different, but very often we're not. Someone has written this saying, Believe as I believe, no more, no less. That I am right and no one else confess. Feel as I feel, think only as I think. Eat what I eat and drink but what I drink. Look as I look, do always as I do. Then and only then will I fellowship with you. That's a tragic, tragic statement. And it ignores the reality of what the church is. We're in this series, Be the Church, what the church is and why the church matters. And we have seen that the church is a called out people, called out by God as his very own, and then a sent out people, sent out to be his ambassadors. We've seen the church as a worshiping people, glorifying God, and a needy, powerful people who have the privilege of prayer. And in our study, Be the Church, this morning we come to the theme that the church is a unified diversity. But the question is, do we look like that to a world that's watching us? Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, teaches in a very pointed way, and I invite you to turn there, chapter 12, beginning at verse 12, will be our text this morning. In your Bibles or your electronic devices or whatever you have, join us at home as we do this as well. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks to a church that was anything but unified, and he calls them to be a unified diversity. Pastor Josh, a few weeks ago, talked about some of the background of 1 Corinthians, and you may remember that they were divided over what leaders they wanted to follow. Some of them saying, I'm of Paul, and others, I'm of Apollos. And the ones who wanted to sound really spiritual, well, I'm of of Jesus. They were divided over how to celebrate what we just celebrated, the Lord's table together. He talks about that in chapter 11. They were going to court and suing one another in chapter 6. Problems between husbands and wives in chapter 7. Divisions over their preferences, what they should or shouldn't eat in chapter 8. They are divided over spiritual gifts, gifts, chapters 12 through 14, and even divided over the resurrection, chapter 15. And to this divided church, Paul writes these words, beginning at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. 
And then he wraps up the whole section with verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You see those repeated words, Paul hammers those words home. Because in verses 12 through 27, he uses the word all 13 times in one 12 times. He calls the church the body of Christ. He calls, uses that word body 18 times. Talks about members, parts, 13 times. There are many members, he says, but just one body. And so he wants us to grab a hold of the reality that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, are a unified diversity. Really, Paul makes at least two significant points in this passage that help us to grab a hold of this concept. The first is that there is a God-created unity in Jesus' church that we must live out. He uses the picture, or the scholars call it the images of the church. A word picture of the church as the body, a body of Christ. To emphasize the fact that there's a unity here. There is just one body. And we are united together as Jesus' body. It's interesting that he, in verse 12, says, just like the body has a lot of members, so it is with Christ. He doesn't say, so it is with the church, or so it is with the body of Christ. He says, you are the representation of Christ. I don't think Paul ever got over his experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus, with that bright light and voice, knocked him off his horse and spoke to him. Paul, Saul of Tarsus then, was on his way to Damascus to do what he'd been doing, which was persecute Christians. And Jesus speaks to him from heaven, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, if you remember it, say it with me, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, in that moment, began to come to grips with the fact that to persecute the people of Jesus was to persecute Jesus. I think it's one of the reasons, one of his key themes throughout his writings is that we are in Christ. We're identified with Christ. And here he says we are his body. He took on flesh and blood to walk among us as we just celebrated, to die for us, to rise for us. But now, now we his followers are his body. We are the ones that walk among people. We are the ones that show Jesus to people. And if we are united together in Jesus' body, how can we be at one another's throats? A teacher in a Christian school was teaching a module on anger management, on hatred. And so she invited her students to bring in a picture of a family member or somebody in their church that they did not get along with. In fact, they might even say at some of them that they hated that person. And so they brought in those pictures, and the teacher took them, and she pinned them up on a large bulletin board. And then she invited her students to throw darts at the picture of their person. There's a moment of hesitation, but then some of them really got into it. And the darts began to fly, and by the time she stopped it, some of those pictures were just totally shredded. She took down the pictures, 
And then she took down the large paper that covered the bulletin board and showed that underneath each of their pictures had been a picture of Jesus. And that that picture of Jesus in many cases was totally shredded by the darts they were throwing at that person that they disliked. She didn't have to say a word. It made the point for her. When we attack one another as a part of the body of Christ, we're attacking Jesus because we're united together as Jesus' body. We are also united together by the Holy Spirit. The triune God is involved in this unity of believers that we call the body. For in one spirit, Paul writes, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He's emphatic. We, not other people, we believers, we were all, not some of us, all of us, baptized. He uses a past tense, indicates it was a one-time thing. And he's not talking about what we do back here, although that pictures it. He's talking about the fact that at the moment of salvation, we are baptized into this new organism called the church, the body of Christ. And that we in that moment are baptized into belonging to the body of Jesus. Some people have misunderstood this baptism of the Spirit as being some kind of a second blessing for really spiritual people. Well, it's not that because Paul makes the point it happens to all of us at salvation, but it's also made by the people to whom he's writing. This is a divided church. This is a decidedly unspiritual church. And yet Paul says, you were baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. It's true of all of us. But not only are we baptized into the Spirit, he says, we're all made to drink of one Spirit. So not only are we placed into the body by the Spirit, but the Spirit, we imbibe him, we take him in, he indwells us. And Paul says that is true of every person who is a genuine follower of Jesus. And he uses the two biggest divisions in Paul's world of that day, Jews and Gentiles. Slaves and free men, free women. And he says, it doesn't matter what you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been united together by and in the Spirit in the body of Christ. Our biggest differences are nothing compared to what unites us. We're not a group of like-minded people who are gathered here for mutual support. We are united in Christ. We're not a fan club of a person or a team. We're not a support group, though we should certainly support one another. We're not a political action committee. Our interests and our backgrounds, our likes, our dislikes will be different, but the common ground is Christ. We're baptized into his body. There is, Paul says, a real, spiritual, God-created unity in the church. And you and I are called to live that out in our daily lives. But I think often we stress our differences, not our unity. Well, I don't like that person's personality. They rub me the wrong way. I don't, I don't like the songs that they like to sing. I, I don't like the way that they dress. I don't like 
their politics. Whatever it is, we tend to focus on what divides us instead of saying what unites us is Christ. What we ought to say is all of those things are unimportant compared to our connection in Christ. We ought to be colorblind and status blind and style blind so that skin color or hairstyle or piercings or tattoos or political issues don't divide us. We're united in Christ. And Satan loves to attack that unity. What he loves to do is cause you to feel slighted somehow and and to complain and to grumble and to begin to gather other people to your side. You know how I know that? Well, 40 years of pastoral experience, for one thing. But Acts 6, the church is in its infancy, and what happens? People begin to grumble and complain because their widows are being neglected, and Satan is seeking to divide that church as they're just getting started. And he still does that. By saying, well, you know, you're this and they're that and you guys shouldn't get along. And the world would say, you're right, you guys shouldn't get along. But they should be able to look at us and say, why do they get along? Because of Christ. There ought to be lived out unity between true believers here in this local body and expressed around the state and around the world. Peggy and I and Pastor Josh will be at our state fellowship meeting this week. And, and I guarantee you there are churches in that fellowship that view things very differently than I do. Not major theological issues, just style and practice and the way they do things. But we're united in Christ. That's why if you seek to become a member of Berean, we're going to ask you to share how you came to know Jesus and about your faith in him Because you can't be united to us really in this local body unless you know our Jesus. And on the larger sense, there are churches, organizations that call themselves churches, that we can't work with, we can't fellowship, because they deny fundamental truths of the faith. But where we agree on those fundamentals, where there is spiritual unity, we can work together at least at some level. And at this level, in the local church, we really need to live out our unity. Because there is a God-created spiritual unity in the church of Jesus Christ. Second truth that Paul emphasizes here. There is a God-designed diversity within Jesus' church that we must accept. There is diversity, there is difference among all of us in this congregation and certainly across the global span of followers of Jesus and yet the reality is that God placed each different person in his church Paul stresses that twice but as it is he says God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chose and the verse 24 but God has so composed the body That word arranged in verse 18 means he's carefully assigned their positions as he designed them to be. Verse 24, the composed is the idea of mingling two elements together to form a compound. Kind of like this one. What is that? Water. 
H2O, two elements combined to make a really important compound that every one of us need. In fact, I've got some sitting right here just in case I need it. And God has taken his church and he has melded us together in a diverse unity that is necessary and that is beautiful in his eyes. And so we need to not only accept our differences, we need to celebrate our differences instead of focusing on how they divide us. In this blending, none of us, God has placed us in his body as he designed it, and in that, none of us are unimportant. There are some of you sitting here today, maybe some of you watching online, and you feel like you have nothing to contribute to the body of Christ, to your local church. That's not true. God put you there, and he put you there for a reason. Don't undervalue yourself or others. And Paul makes that point with humor. I like humor, obviously. You like humor. Paul liked humor. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And so you have this picture that Paul is drawing, a humorous picture of the foot saying, now wait a minute, the hand, it's higher up, it's, you know, it's flexible, everybody loves the hand. You know, nobody tries to shake me. Let's shake feet. You know, nobody says, give me a low five. I just, I'll just resign from the body. It can't do that. The ear can't say, well, you know, the eyes, they're central to the face. Nobody notices me unless I stick out, and that's not good. Nobody writes songs about my ears. They write about brown eyes and blue eyes, and nobody writes about the ear. I just, I, I'm not part of the body. Paul says, no, it's still part of the body. All the parts have a crucial God-designed purpose. He chose those parts. He gifted those parts. He put those parts in the local body as well as the universal body of Christ. Paul continues on with his humor. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? I mean, it'd see really well, but it wouldn't hear a thing. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. If you only had a giant eyeball or a giant ear, you would have a monstrosity, not a body. And that's Paul's point. None of us are unimportant because every piece of the body must do the function God has designed for there to be the beauty of the body instead of a monstrosity. We are called to minister in and to the body because none of us are unimportant. If you look at the screen on the left, there's a small piece of wood I mean, if I were to take and auction that off today, say, he'll give me 10 bucks, maybe somebody would say, I'll give you 10 bucks, I can use that to shim up my workbench. The piece of cloth on the, the right, 10 bucks, anybody? No, probably not. 
But what if I told you that the piece of wood was from the propeller of the Wright brothers' first airplane? And the cloth was fabric from their airplane. And what if I told you that those pieces of wood, two of them and four pieces of fabric, were carried to and from the moon by Neil Armstrong when he was the first man to walk on the moon? Would that change your opinion? Certainly change the auction. The two pieces of wood sold for $275,000. The four pieces of cloth sold for between $112,500 and $175,000 each. You know what made the difference? The purpose of that piece of wood and that cloth and the people with whom it was associated. The Wright brothers, Neil Armstrong. In the same way, you and I may tend to undervalue ourselves and then we realize God has put us here for a purpose. And we are not just anyone. We are part of the body of Jesus. We're identified with him. Don't ever undervalue ourselves or others. Don't opt out of the body. When you say, well, I'm just not going to participate. I think I'll just drift away. What you're saying is the sovereign God of the universe made a mistake in putting you in that body. Then there are times when people need to switch churches. I understand that. But we shouldn't do it lightly. God has put us where he has put us for a reason. And if you're watching online and that's what you're just content to do, I want to encourage you, you need to be part of a local body. Using the abilities and the gifts that God has given you to minister in and to that local body. It's not how much you have to offer. It's not how big you are. But are you faithful doing what God has called you to do? Pastor Josh mentioned earlier our couple of trunk or treats coming up. To pull off that trunk or treat, we've got to have people to organize it. We've got to have people who donate candy, lots of candy. People who set up for the event. People who participate in the events. People who pray. And please don't ever say, all I can do is pray, because that's critical. In our capital campaign, we have teams that are doing publicity and teams that are doing training and teams that are involved in in going to various venues to talk about it. We have people who are using the, the daily prompter to pray together. And all of that is needed. Every part is needed because we're a body. None of us are unimportant. But then Paul hits the flip side. None of us are all important either. Don't overvalue yourself or others. And Paul again uses humor. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor the head to the feet, I don't need you. It's like the eye and the head, they're kind of up here and they're looking down on the hand and on the feet. We don't need you, but they do. How in the world does the eye pick up anything it sees without the hand? How in the world does the head get anywhere without the feet? Every part of the body is needed. We can't overvalue ourselves either. Don't ever think you're bigger than the body. That you can kind of go it alone, be a lone ranger Christian. No, you need other believers around you. Don't ever think That everybody ought to be like you. Everybody ought to be an eye or everybody ought to be a head or everybody ought to be a hand or a foot. 
They'll never think, you know, if everybody just liked my kind of music, Berean would be a much better place. If everybody just got involved in my ministry, Berean would grow. We need the diversity. Don't ever think that you and your abilities and your gifts are the most important thing. They're not. We need one another. The reality is that we often judge other people and their importance by outward appearance. And Paul says that's wrong. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. What that's saying is saying that God looks and he sees the little people, maybe that's what you think you are, who are faithfully doing what God's called them to do, and he honors them more than those who are more out in front. He uses the body. Paul uses the body as an example. And he says, you know, there are parts that seem to be weak but are critical. For example, we look at our hands and they're really impressive. They move, they flex, you know, and they they can do all these things. They're strong. And then there's the liver. The liver, I've never seen my liver. Maybe you've seen a picture, but you haven't really seen it, I hope. It's in there. It's got to be all protected by our skeletal system because it's weak. It's vulnerable. But which would you rather do without? A hand or your liver? And I'll tell you, you can live without a hand. You cannot live without your liver. In the same way, Paul says, there are people that we think are weak and they're not very helpful and, and they are vital whether we recognize it or not. Is there, there are people that we, we think are less honorable, and, and yet we give them and God gives them greater honor. I mean, nobody wants to see the body part there on the left, do you? So what do you do? You cover it with shoes. Somebody asked after the first service, was my PowerPoint Peggy approved? I said, no, and it was not. But you'll remember those feet, won't you? And you'll remember that those parts of the body that we think aren't that honorable, we cover when we honor, and God does the same. And then the parts of our body that are more private, we cover with nice clothing, at least we ought to. In the same way, God honors those parts that we think are lesser in his body. And in our diversity, each of us are to minister to one another. Paul says God melds all the parts together into this beautiful body so that there may be no division in the body. But, strong contrast, the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. could really do a whole sermon just on this verse. And the reality, or these verses, the reality that that when the body is impacted, it impacts one member is impacted, it affects the whole body. That we as a spiritual body should be sharing the same suffering and sharing the same joy and meeting one another's needs. That we're not competing with one another, but we're completing one another. 
So that when somebody is sorrowing, we come alongside and help them. When they're rejoicing, we rejoice with them. We are not competing. We're completing. When an Olympic athlete, a runner, runs his or her race and they win that event, they take the gold medal and they put it around their neck. Now, can you imagine when that happens, a foot saying, wait, wait a minute. The neck had nothing to do with this event. I ran that race. I won. And then the leg would say, well, you weren't going very far without me. And the knees would say, well, neither one of you are going to do much if I don't bend. Now the whole body is honored because the whole body working together functions as it ought to. There is a God-designed diversity within Jesus' church. And we must accept it, and in fact, we must celebrate it. We dare not think that we are somehow more valuable than others, that we don't need others. We can't go out there and kind of be a Lone Ranger Christian. In fact, if we're continually absent, then something's missing that God designed to be in the body. If we don't participate, then something's missing that God designed to be in that local body. We have to minister to one another. That's not just the pastor's job. It's the body's job. And this is probably harder. We must allow others to minister to us. And our pride sometimes gets in the way, doesn't it? But it's part of the function of the body that we minister and we are ministered to. The church of Jesus Christ is a diversity It ought to be a unified diversity that we celebrate and cultivate and work at and guard. As we were working on the capital campaign, Melanie Benefield submitted a, a testimony to be read at some point, and when I read it, I thought, this is the sermon where it needs to be read. She writes, I first visited Berean Baptist Church by invitation of my sister in the 1970s. She invited me to come and join her in a Bible study that Dr. Clark was leading on Thursday nights. Several years later, after being out of state for a few years, I was looking for a local body of believers. Pastor Davis was the lead pastor at the time, and I loved his preaching and teaching style. As I look back at the Bible that I used during that time, it's filled with notes from his alliteration style of preaching, again using scripture upon scripture to teach and guide this congregation. In the years after Pastor Davis retired and Pastor Elevel took the leadership role, I was again challenged to search the scriptures and live out what I was learning. During this time, my husband Jim Shields developed a life-threatening disease, and for almost two decades, the people of Berean came alongside my family and were the church. My physical, emotional, financial, and spiritual needs were met by so many in this church. Jim had wandered in his faith, and it was Pastor Elevelder who took the time to meet with and disciple Jim. Those years ended when, Jim, when Jesus called Jim home to glory, and it was again the people of Berean who became the hands and feet of Jesus to my family. After a time, God blessed me with a man who'd sat under the training and teaching of the Word of God, taught and preached at Berean. Bill Benefiel and I chose to share our marriage vows before the congregation at Berean Baptist Church, right up here. The training and missional emphasis of this church 
encouraged us to spread our wings and serve in a unique calling as servants to the Hospital of Hope in Mongo, Togo, West Africa, for almost five years. The example and teaching of faithful leaders, Sunday school teachers, friends, and deacons have sustained me over the course of many decades. I mourn the retirement of Pastor Abernathy. He, again, has been a teacher of the Word of God, but I look forward with anticipation and excitement to hear what Pastor Greiner will teach us. Berean has been my home for many years, my family, my safe place, and my school and my growth and commitment to Christ. Then the next statement has an exclamation point at the end. Let the church be the church. I thank God for the example that Berean has been to me. That's the body. That's a testimony of what the body has been and continues to be and needs to keep on being a unified diversity. So would you say these next phrases with me as I put them up? If you're a follower of Jesus, say these with me. I belong to Jesus' body, the church. You do if you're his follower. I contribute to Jesus' body, the church. You do. It may be positive or negative. You contribute by what you do or what you fail to do. You contribute to the body. And finally, I need Jesus' body, the church. We do. We need each other to be all that God has intended us to be. Would you read that one more time, that last one with me? I need Jesus' body, the church. If you forget everything else I said this morning, these three phrases need to go with you as we seek to be the church, a unified diversity. And if you don't know our Savior... We are far from perfect, but he's perfect. And we would love to introduce you to him before you leave this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we sang it earlier. We are the body of Christ. And it is our desire to see him and to see you glorified by all that we say and do. So help us. Lord, we're very different, some of us, from one another. Help us to focus on the things that unite us, the one that unites us, your son. And yet, at the same time, help us to exercise our diversity and to celebrate and to revel in what you have brought together in this unique and blessed body of believers called Berean Baptist Church. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.